Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Woodshop. My name is Stephen Ricks, and this is a brand new podcast that I'm excited to bring to you. Uh, you know, I think the, the first question that I have to answer is, uh, does the world need another podcast? And I think there's always room for new and exciting things, uh, especially around the world of craft and making, and specifically uh, for me in this podcast, woodworking. So uh, yes, I think that would be a good thing. The next question has to be, uh, why do I want to do a podcast? And uh, I've, I've thought a lot about this. And, I, you know, as I listen to podcasts and to different YouTubers out there, I find that there's there are some really great ones and there's some okay ones, which is true with everything. But I also believe that there's not really what I'm looking for out there. Uh, you know, and I think if you break down the podcasts that are out there specifically around woodworking, there's there's some really good ones. Uh, one of my favorites is the Fine Woodworking Shop Talk Live, and I think they do a great job. And I think what I like about that is they're bringing you experts who have honed their skills, who are um, talking to uh, you know the hobbyist or the amateur woodworker. And maybe even have some for the expert woodworkers, some information for them. But, but I, I love the fact that these people are speaking from experience and lessons that they've learned over time. You know, are they right all the time? Uh, for them, they probably are, but maybe not for you or for me or for others. Uh, you know, the great thing about woodworking is that it's it's different for everybody. I think there's some that are also out there that, that frustrate me a little bit. And there are people that start podcasts that are very well-intentioned, that uh, you know are, are enjoying a hobby, uh, and they want to share it with the world. And so they start a podcast or they start a YouTube channel, and you know they, they learn and they experiment and they grow. Uh, but really what I find is that they really become better at producing podcasts or videos. And uh, although their skills as woodworkers or as makers grow, uh, they really, really grow in the area of finding sponsorships and increasing their knowledge of video production and of audio production. And uh, for me, that gets a, a little frustrating because it now becomes about the next sponsor or it comes up, you know, to uh, the new tool that I've gotten. Uh, and kind of gets away from uh, how your skills can enhance my skills, which is really what I'm looking for. What are the lessons that you've learned? What are the mistakes that you've made? What makes you work more efficiently? Uh, those are the, the things that I'm really interested in. And, and I think that there's a lot of people out there that are interested in that as well. And so that's the type of podcast that I really want to bring. Now, can I say... Uh, that, you know, two, three, four, five years from now, I'm not sitting here talking to you from a sponsored uh, podcast. I, you know, I, I hope not. Uh, I, I hope that I'm able to uh, keep this going without, you know, a lot of, of sponsorships and things like that. Um, so, you know, that's that's the reason that I want to do this. And, and let me tell you a little bit about me and why I think I may be the right person or one of the right people to kind of do this. Um, number one is, you know, I, I'm not a professional woodworker. I, I have a full-time job. I lead a product development group and uh, we design new products for the uh, theater uh, industry. Uh, and that's, that's what my full-time job is. I have been a 
uh, hobbyist or an amateur woodworker for, gosh, at least 30 years. I started when I was really young and kind of uh, learned as I went. And so far as that I've taken, you know, hundreds of hours of classes. I have earned my master's certificate in woodworking from the Mark Adams School of Woodworking. And you'll hear me talk about Mark Adams and his school a whole lot on this podcast because you know the one thing that I really believe is is learning from people who are doing this on a day-to-day basis is the way that you really get better and there's so many efficiencies and so many skills that you pick up from folks who just inherently know this stuff that uh, that that's you know part of what makes us grow and become better as woodworkers um, so yeah, I mean, I'm a guy who uh, is trying to um, find a way to enjoy my time in the shop as much as possible. Uh, I don't want to mess around with gimmicks. I don't want to mess around with the latest, you know, technology. I want to do things that are tried and true that are going to help me produce the results that I want to produce in the most efficient path I can. Um, as I've mentioned, you know, I, I have a family. I have two boys. Uh, I'm also, in addition to having a full-time job and being a parent and a husband, uh, I also am a member of the local school board, and then I also run a community action team. So uh, my time in the shop is very valuable to me, and uh, all the skills that I have learned over the years, I have I have filtered out the uh, the less efficient and and really tried to hone in on what again, makes use of my time in the shop. So I want to tell you a little bit about my background in in more detail in this first podcast, just to kind of give you a hint of where I'm going with this and and maybe even some of the belief systems that I have uh, laid down. Uh, and And it goes all the way back to, uh, I was very fortunate to have a father who really supported everything uh, that I wanted to do. Uh, there's some things I would look back and kind of go, wow, why? <laughs> Especially as now as I'm a parent, uh, it makes me uh, makes me wonder uh, how I, I got away with so much uh, and how they supported me so much. But I'm thank- very thankful for that. But my father was also, I think, living a little bit vicariously through me in that a lot of the things that I enjoyed were things that he kind of placed in front of me. And I think he, he enjoyed those as well. And one of the very first things that he showed me was the world of, of magic, uh, of, of doing magic, of performing magic. And uh, we were lucky enough to live in the sub- suburbs of Dallas, and there was a great magic store uh, there. And every Saturday morning, we would go to the magic store and we'd hang out. And this is the magic store that you know all magic stores should be modeled after. The guy that ran it was actually a full-time clown. And uh, so it was a big clown shop, but then this, the back half of the store was a magic shop with every magic trick imaginable. And he... At least for a you know eight or nine year old boy, he knew every trick immaculately and could just astound me. But my dad and I would hang there in the magic shop, you know, all morning Saturday morning, and watch, you know, the the professional magicians come in and buy new tricks and have conversations. And and you know, I'm not sure that I knew it then because I was so young. But what that experience did for me was it exposed me to people who again were making their living doing this who kind of would cut out the nonsense and and cut right to what makes a great performance and what makes a great magic trick and and uh, how to perform in a way that will you know get you called back for for another performance um, 
as I grew older then, you know, I, I grew into more uh, more things. When I got into middle school, then drumming became my passion. I didn't ever let go of magic, but drumming kind of was there. And I was, I was a very, uh, very enthused percussionist. And I started taking lessons at another store. Uh, called Drum City, and I remember it well. It was it was kind of a destination for a lot of rock drummers and jazz drummers uh, when they were touring. They they would stop by this place, and I, we started doing the same thing. Where on Saturday mornings, you know, we would kind of go by and hit the magic store quickly, but then I would go over to the to the drum store and hang out. And in fact, I remember that I kind of swung a deal with Grant, the guy that owned the store, that uh, I would I would if he'd let me hang out in there, I would I would do a little bit of work for him for free. So I ended up. You know, polishing cymbals and moving drum kits around. But again, I got to experience all these people coming in uh, who were gig drummers or session drummers or even some of the touring drummers and, and learn from their experiences and talk with them. And, and it was just, it was a great experience. And it, and it, you know, it didn't substitute for my practice and for my training, but it was a great enhancement to that. And uh, then that brings me to the world of woodworking. Um, during that whole time, uh, my dad was always a, a, a passionate builder. Um, I call him an industrial woodworker because, you know, if a nail would do, a screw was better. And if a screw would do, a bolt was even better. Um, there was no finesse in his joinery. It was all about uh, the build strength and endurance, basically. Um, he was a big fan of, of craftsman tools, and so we had every craftsman tool imaginable. Uh, and, um, that was about the time that Woodcraft, I think actually came into existence or maybe they just moved into the Texas market. But I remember a Woodcraft opened up and, and we would go there and, and, uh, you know, it was a different experience from the magic store and the drum store because there wasn't a lot of professionals that were coming in, but there were a lot of people who were doing woodworking and crafting and the guys that, that worked in the store knew a lot about what they were doing. And I remember that, uh, we had, like I said, an old craftsman table saw, it was probably actually a Rockwall table saw uh, that had the Craftsman brand on it. And, it, you know, the fences of those days were not T-squares. They were just clamp-on fences that, you know, uh, no one ever taught me how to make it straight. And I just assumed it was always straight. And yet for the life of me, I could not cut a parallel uh, cut on a board uh, no matter what I tried. And I remember one day going in and complaining about this to the guys at Woodcraft and one of the one of the guys there said, "Well, have you ever you know looked at a Beesmeyer fence?" And I had no idea what that was. And he took me back and showed me this this fancy Beesmeyer fence that was a T square. And he said, "If you have this, it'll cut straight." And I remember, it, even at the time, it was like three hundred fifty dollars. It was a lot of money for a teenage kid. Uh, but I ended up uh, you know somehow earning the money, and I bought that fence and took it home and installed it on that Craftsman table saw. And lo and behold, you know my world just changed. And, um, and my dad was even pretty impressed that, you know, I think he was the one that kind of told me that, oh, you can never cut a straight, you know, straight parallel line on a piece of plywood. It just won't work. And, and so, um, again, you know, being around people and experiencing those conversations, I think were the things that really, um, that, that really enhanced my skills and set me on a path you know, of learning that, you know, there was something more to this woodworking thing. There was a lot of finesse involved in it, and I, I needed to learn that finesse. And 
then as I grew older, um, you know, I started taking a, a few classes from people at Woodcraft and, and, you know, they were, they were good classes and they kind of opened my horizon and it was better than nothing. And I remember that, that after I got married, my wife for Christmas, uh, I don't even know how she found it or where she found it from, but she got me a gift certificate to the Mark Adams School of Woodworking. And, uh, and I looked into it and, 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 you know, since I had the class, I took the class and wow, what a brave new world that I had fallen into. I think my first class was with, uh, Graham Blackburn, who you may know from some of, of the books that he's written. Uh, but it was a design class and, uh, you know, it, it was just incredible to be sitting there being taught by a professional, uh, who again, kind of cut, just cut to the chase and cut through everything. And so every year since then, uh, I've taken at least one, if not multiple classes uh, from the Mark Adams School of Woodworking. And, and I think one, one area that kind of epitomizes exactly what I'm talking about and what I hope this podcast will, will become is I was actually taking a class with Mark Adams. In fact, I think it was his, his joinery class. And um, it, it was sharpening day. So we were going to learn how to sharpen our chisels. Um, and... All my classmates were pulling out their sharpening stones, and you know, and I, I didn't have much. In fact, I don't, I don't even know that I had anything at the time. Um, and they were all before class talking about their processes and how long it takes them, and you know, it was hours long processes. And Mark got up at the beginning of the room and he said, "Okay, now sharpening is is something that is." You know, there's different cult followings, and it's it's very personal to people. And he said, "But when you're a professional, you're not getting paid to sharpen. You're getting paid to make something, and sharpening is a tool that you use to make things faster. So you can spend hours and hours sharpening your tools, or you can spend five minutes. And the other principle he taught us was that you know, sharp is sharp. You can't get sharper than sharp." Uh, and so if one method makes it sharp and another method makes it sharp, but one takes two hours and one takes five minutes, it doesn't really matter because sharp is sharp. And uh, then he, he whipped up a uh, belt sander, flipped it up on in, clamped it to his workbench, turned it on, and touched the chisel to the to the belt, and everybody in the class gasps. <laughs> um, but, you know, that and the little other finesse things, you know, within five minutes he had an extremely sharp chisel. And again, I go back to that, that there is efficiencies in everything that we do. And we can, you know, there, there may be things that you enjoy and some people enjoy sharpening. I know my, my father always, you know, it was kind of meditative for him. He would, he would pull his sharpening stones into the house and he would get his knives and he would sit at the table and he would sharpen for hours. And he was kind of in that cult of the, of the sharp and sharp and sharp and sharp. And and but he enjoyed it, and it was something that he loved. And there are times, honestly, that I love sitting and just sharpening my tools. Um, but really, when it's time for me to be in the shop, and when I've got something to make, I just I want to get them sharp, and I want to move on, and I want an edge that holds up, and that I don't want to have to come back and sharpen it again and again and again. And so, learning that, learning where those principles are, or or where those efficiencies are. And what's important and what's not important is, is tremendous. And I don't know where you learn that. You don't get that in a lot of books or magazines. You know, um, you get a lot of generalities in those things. But when you take a class or when you work with 
a, a professional, you you pick those things up. And, and frankly, you know, that's where the whole uh, master apprentice uh, thing came from, you know, from years and years ago is that, you know, if you wanted a career in woodworking, you would go an apprentice with a master. And, uh, and that's exactly what you were doing was learning those efficiencies of the trade and, and the skills. So, you know, there's two ends of this. There's learning the skills and learning what you need to do. And then there's learning the efficiencies. Uh, and that's, uh, again, where I hope I can take this podcast. And hopefully that interests you. All right. So now we get to the question of where do I want this podcast to go or how do I want it to function? I'm thinking at this point that I'm going to shoot for every two weeks. Maybe I'll do it more often, uh, but I, for sure I want to do a, a podcast every two weeks. Uh, and I hope to do several things. I hope to do some you know, monologues like me sitting here today talking to you, and hopefully that's enjoyable. I, I also hope to get some of my friends and some of my local woodworkers uh, and, and talk about what they're doing in their shops and what they're learning and maybe how you know, we can improve each other's work. Uh, because I think that's always an interesting conversation. And then I hope to pull on some of the connections I have uh, with the Mark Adams School and see if I can get some professional woodworkers to come on the podcast and talk about um, their workflow and the efficiencies that they've learned over the years and what are some of the the tips and tricks that we can all use uh, when we get into our shops and want to make the best of the time that we've got. So, I hope that this is something that interests you and that is something that you might find some value uh, in. And I hope that I can make the production value good enough that you will want to continue to listen. And uh, if this is something you like, then great. Then subscribe to the channel uh, and, and uh, we'll see how many of these things we can crank out and how we can uh, keep this going in the future. So thank you for checking out this new podcast. Again, I'm Stephen Ricks, and I'm here in the shop. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you later.